Hello, and welcome to Fantastic Comic Fan. I am your host, R.T. Fleming, and it is my mission to help you find your next digital comic book pick from the golden age to now. I have been reading comic books for over 40 years, and have never lost my passion for comic books. Something I try to pass on to old and new readers. It's Thursday, February 23rd, 2023, and I have another giant-sized show today. On Monday, we had Phil Hester, who's doing some of his best work over at DC with Gotham City Year One. Then it was Chuck Sadley and Jerry Meager talking about their brand new limited series from Band of Bars Comics. Their creation, Monsters and Midways, which is now available to order through previews, is about magic and wizards who have always protected a blissfully ignorant human population dark magic. Fans of heavy metal, Hellblade, and Harry Potter are sure to enjoy the series. Check it out. I liked it greatly. Yesterday, I had Robert Gerzanik, a New York Times best-selling author, who was talking about his new biography about Steve Ditko. The project is even more fantastic because Robert is writing his biography in conjunction with the Ditko family. It's just approved and authorized. Check it out. It's another great listen. Most shows are not giant size. A play on the giant size Bronze Age comics many fans from yourself remember fondly. Instead, these shows are usually bite sized around 20 minutes. I don't cover the latest comics, which to me, fantastic podcasts already that do that. Often I'll dig around for gems that I think deserve a little more attention. So feel free to scroll through that podcast feed and you'll find some really good comic books to read. Another thing you'll see me do a lot of is Kickstarter campaigns. I cannot tell you how many I've covered in the last 18 months, but they're key to the industry's future. Tomorrow's big stars often come from these big, big Kickstarter campaigns. If you're a regular listener, I'm glad you decided to stick around and hope you continue to do so moving forward. Those regular listeners know I pretty much vanished for several weeks and my whole podcast schedule just kind of blew up. Well, sometimes the life of a podcaster needs to be balanced with real life things. I had a couple of long work weeks followed by a short hospital stay. But hey, I'm doing better. No worries. I'm here to stay. I just need a little time to get back where I need to in life and start sifting through the rubble of the podcast and start planning. Now with the podcast, I'm always trying to cover Comics I haven't had the chance to cover in the podcast. Different things, I'm always trying to mix it up. So that brings me to today's guest, Michael Northrup, author of Teen Titans Going Dead and Dear Justice League. Boy, did I get schooled. I thought these were kids' comics, but they are all ages. And I mean, all ages can read this. I was reading through some of his work, and I totally loved it. Much more than I thought. I can't wait to find a way to get him on the podcast again. He was a great guest. Now let me repeat what I've been doing all week with these giant size shows. I'm not going anywhere. I enjoyed the podcast too much to let go and have some fantastic plans in the coming months. Oh, and look at those show notes. You'll find a link tree not only to Northrop stuff, but also a link tree on a fantastic comic fan. Please follow the podcast on social media, subscribe to the podcast, because I want this podcast to continue to grow and introduce fans to a new way of covering comics and discovering comic books. Now on to today's show.
I have today a very unique and different author that I'm so very excited to have on. This is Michael Northrup. He does uh, comics and graphic novels for the children's market, the juvenile, young adults. Before we go into that type of stuff, Michael, I ask all my guests their origin story. And I want to know particularly about you because you spent about 15 minutes talking off camera. How did you get into comic books and what made you a lifelong comic book fan? Because I know you're a big comic book fan. You just sat there and talked comic books for 20 minutes. So tell <laughs> us your story. Yeah, I mean, I, I had um, kind of, um, you know, maybe a little bit of an unusual start there. Um, <clears throat> I'm dyslexic. And so uh, especially when I was young, um, you know, reading was a big struggle for me. And, and one of the things that happened was I repeated second grade. So then I was you know, a year older than my classmates. It was this like, you know, deep dark secret I had because not only was I a year older, but the reason was I'd been held back at a year in special ed. These were not great times to grow up with, you know, special ed or any of that. This, there's not a lot of sensitivity to that stuff back then. And, and so it was really a struggle. You know, I did my best to keep up with the reading um, in class, but I, I have always, certainly then, and even now, a very slow reader um, when it comes to, to prose. Um, and so um, comics were really the first thing um, I could read um, at the same pace, um, more or less as my, uh, my friends, my classmates. Um, and it was still, you know, we had a local pharmacy, had the main titles, on the magazine rack, you know what I mean? Just really easy to find, didn't have to go to, the near closest comic shop was, you know, like 40 minutes away in Torrington, Connecticut. I'm from a small town in the Northwestern corner of Connecticut. Um, so, you know, if we're lucky, we could get to the comic shop once a month, but they, they still had the main comics in the, just on the, on the shelves in the pharmacy. And so it was something, you know, my friends, people, you know, would talk about, the new, you know, Spider-Man and X-Men or whatever in the back of the bus. And I could do that. You know, I could go down to the, the, the pharmacy. I could pick up that copy. I could have it read and have strong opinions on it by the next day, which was not true of anything else. So that can actually um, make you kind of feel more normal as a kid. Yeah, it really, I mean, it was 100% the, the first time I felt included in those and also confident, you know what I mean? Because, you know, when you're a slow, very slow reader, especially if you don't want to talk about that, a lot of it is secrecy. You're bluffing, you know, you're pretending you've read that book and you have not, you know, um, they've finished and you haven't. And um, so there's a lot of bluffing. There's a lot of keeping quiet, um, things like that. But with comics, you know, I could, I could read, I could uh, talk about it, have opinions. Um, and that was, that was great for me. The first comics I actually read were, um, were Archie comics um, because they had a basket um, at this, uh, like a, a retirement home, basically like a retirement home, nursing home, um, where one of my aunts worked. And sometimes I'd go and I, she'd be working and I'd have time. Um, and there was this basket of like toys and stuff for visiting kids. And one of the things they had in those were like Archie, like Archie Digest type, type stuff. And I was like, I, you know, I, I can do this. You know, this is, you know, like this is not too many words. Um, you know, so much visual storytelling. And, and uh, so I was really hooked, um, you know, just in, initially, just because it, it, it fit with my abilities. But after that, um, you know, it, it really something I, I took to. Um, 
also like a big Dungeons and Dragons player. And, you know, obviously they're very similar, you know, it's just sort of this, you know, living in your imagination is another part of growing up in a small town. So before you started writing career, what did you do before you started writing? What was your life and what was your career before writing? I'm kind of curious about that also. Just, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I told you I was I was a, a slow reader, but, um, you know, there are advantages to that. Um, and, you know, you pay attention, you have a lot of retention. Um, I ended up writing poetry in school. I, I was like, I, you know, um, I, I got super into that. Same thing. It's like, you have to read poetry slowly and carefully. And that's the only way I can read. Like I can only read anything. I can only read like a penny saver slowly and carefully. So, um, so I ended up going to school for English um, and, you know, relying on that, you know, reading slower than my um, everyone else, but reading more carefully and, and, you know, paying more attention. Um, and I ended up getting a job. I went to NYU, um, got a job. I was the poetry editor at a literary magazine at NYU. That is incredibly cool. I like stories like that. Go on. The editor-in-chief was um, a good friend of mine, Aris Georgiadis, huge comic fan, by the way. Um, he um, he worked part-time at the World Almanac, the World Almanac and Book of Fact. Oh, wow. Not such a big thing now that the internet's around, but back then it was a, it was a big thing. It was a big thing. I remember that, yes. Yeah. And so he graduated two years ahead of me, and he sort of like passed his job on and recommended me for that job. So I ended up working like 20, I was like the kid in class with a tie on, you know what I mean? Like the only one yep. at NYU uh, in, in arts and science with a tie on, um, working 20, 25 hours a week uh, during school. And so I, I, I ended up in journalism. I got a job at the World Almanac first and then um, Sports Illustrated Kids, which I worked at uh, for 12 years. Um, ended up, I started as a, like a, a, a writer reporter and ended, you know, by the end, I'd done pretty much everything. Edited the website. I was the baseball editor um, at the end there. Um, so yeah, I, I um, did a lot of, I was still writing for kids. I was just writing uh, a lot of magazine articles, a lot of 800 word articles on like Albert Pujols and things like that. Um, and at that point, um, I start, you know, started writing on the weekends, writing on my own, um, writing short stories. Short stories got longer. And that's how I got into kids' books. So, so you only write for kids audience, right? Well, Primarily? that's how I started. Yeah. I mean, actually my first book, um, was, uh, my first couple, like, yeah, my first couple of books were, uh, young adult novels. Um, you know, for teens though, um, my publisher is Scholastic and Scholastic skews a little bit younger. So I did YA novels and then middle grade novels, which is, you know, really the, the, the meat of the. Um, you know, what you think, like eight to 12 um, for young readers there. Um, and then that's that's how DC found me, basically. They were looking, you know, to start the young readers line. Um, and I, at that point, had well, like 10 books out, I, you know, spent some time on the like New York Times bestseller list and, and stuff like that. And so they were looking for, for storytellers for younger readers. And they reached out to my, you know, my agent, you know, I think asking if you know, who, who would be good. And, and, um, um, you know, I'm a huge comic fan, so it was a good, it's a good match. What, it motivates, really, I'm sorry, what motivates you to write for a younger audience? You know, the, the great thing about writing for a younger audience is, um, you can really do write whatever you want and they are okay with that. I mean, um, in the adult market, you know, you can be, a, a, one author can be shelved in like 
you know, half a dozen sections. Like here's his crime novel. Here's um, her, um, you know, romance. Here's her spy thriller. Here's what, you know what I mean? Like everything is really divided. And even with like within crime, it's like, you know, what kind of crime? And then, so, I mean, people are, are shelved and categorized even on like Amazon or things like that, very specifically as adult authors. As a middle grade author, one book's horror, one book's the thriller, one book's survival, they're all just under your name. You know, they're all, if you go to the, the, the kid's bookstore or a, a section in Barnes and Noble or something, all my books are together, even though they're completely different. I've got horror, I've got, you know, um, sports, I've got humor, I've got all different, it doesn't matter. It's just, um, you know, I'm the author. And so you can do whatever you want to do. Whereas in, you know, an adult, if you write, um, you know, police procedural and you go to them for the next book and say, you know, I'd like to try something like, a, a you know, you know, a, a wilderness survival story. They'd be like, you know, not here, you know, <laughs> you know? so, I mean, it's, it's just great. And because kids are okay. Like kids don't, kids want a good story, you know, and they want a good story. Um, and they are really willing to engage with that in good faith. You know, they're not looking to find fault with it. It's like, we're pulling in the same direction. I love that, you know, like, I mean, then also for me, having been a reluctant reader, having struggled as, as a kid, you know, I want to write for kids like that. So a lot of my books tend to be shorter, um, shorter chapters, um, really, um, really page turning sort of plots. Like I'm trying to, you know, to reach readers that were like I, I was when I was a kid and felt, you know, I kept being handed, you know, huge, thick books with super dense blocks of text and not a lot of plot. And it was a struggle, you know, so I, I think it's 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 those two things, just the freedom to write whatever you want and the um, the sense that, you you know, you want to tell kids a good story and they want to hear a good story. You know, while I was putting this together, because I always, uh, my method is I always put questions together for the uh, guests, because uh, I want them to be a little prepared so they know what road I'm going down. I was on DC's website, and I was looking at your Dear Justice, I'm sorry, yeah, your Dear Justice League. Yeah. And I got to give DC credit. When I was there, they had the whole 19, first 19 pages of that right there to read. And that was like, wow, that's impressive. Uh, what's it like working for DC? I mean, it's got to well, be different than normal creators. It's got to be, you know, kind of different because you're a young, you're gearing towards a younger audience. Yeah. Well, I mean, DC, first of all, like, so Dear Justice League was one of the first sort of first wave of books for their young readers line. And they were 100% all in on that. And it was cool. Like, it was, that's a large preview, but also they did for free comic book day, they did a sampler that was, you know, half of it was the the opening from do Justice League, you know what I mean? So they, I mean, they were really behind it. They, you know, um, put out a preview for free comic book day. They, you know, they made, you know, a lot of um, stuff available online early. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it was really cool. I mean, it's funny because that was the first graphic novel I wrote. Um, now I have, I have three out with them now and a fourth coming out this year, but that was the first one. And, uh, you know, I, you know, the process, I wasn't sure how that would go. And it turned out to be super smooth. You, you know, know yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that thing, that Justice League one, and I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, I really like that Justice League. I'm going here. I'm actually going to see if it's on Hoopla. 
but I found it cool that the characters are very much in sync what me as an adult reader would expect the characters to be. But at the same time, it's geared towards the younger audience. It's almost like the old Looney Tunes cartoons where you can watch them in one way and uh, see it as a, a young, as an older audience. Is it hard for you to balance the two? And there's a lot of fun humor in those 19 pages that I read. They were like, this is so cool. Yeah, I mean, it would actually, it was it was supernatural to do it that way. Um, it, my artist and I, Gustavo Duarte, who's a genius, great, great Brazilian cartoonist, um, have the same sort of idea, you know, that like when we say all ages, like we mean that literally, you know what I mean? Like it's not, all ages is comic book shorthand for kids, which is ridiculous if you think about it. It literally says all ages, right? So like we want, you know, a book that's entertaining for adults, uh, you know, for example, Dear Justice League, I know, is really popular as like a read aloud for young kids because, you know, they're popular characters and it's it's a very sort of wholesome book. Um, but I want the, the parent who is reading it to the kid to enjoy it just as much as the kid who is getting read to. You know what I mean? And the way to do that is like just just tell these human stories. I mean, the touchstone for both Gustavo and I was was super friends. We both loved super friends, challenge of the super friends. Um, but um, at the heart of it, like Dear Justice League, it's just, it's kids writing into their favorite superheroes, right? Asking them sort of questions, advice, what, so you get this, this idea that like larger than life characters, like Superman is only larger than life when you're looking at them from the outside like from the inside they're just a person trying to do their best right they have their own histories they have their own challenges um and so that's the thing it's just a, a human story and i feel like if you just ground it there um with a little human humility or whatever but i mean what ties it all together is just love for these characters like same thing like I love these characters. Gustavo loves these characters. The kids love these characters. So we're all pulling in the same direction. We, you know, we want to tell a fun story. They want to be entertained. So just throw in some extra jokes. If if we thought it was funny, we put it, it in there. It, it is. It's funny. And you, oh, know, you mentioned the artist and the art, not only in the Justice League book, all the art is exceptional and unique. I was looking also at the uh, Teen Titans Go Undead which also has some really good art. How closely do you work with the artists? You know, I mean, in, 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 I mean, because it, you, your art, the, the story and the art at times really mesh together and they are really great reads. Well, I mean, what happens is it's like, it's like, it's like a symbiote, right? You know what I mean? It's like, it's like you sort of meld over the course of the, of the book the more they read your writing and get what you're going for. And then the more you see their art and see what, you know, they do well, what they really like Gustavo, for example, just great with expressions. You know what I mean? So once I learned that, you know what I mean? It's like that becomes an opportunity to sort of tweak the script or if you're still writing as you go, um, just incorporate stuff like that, that, you know he enjoys doing and he does well. Eric Owen, who did Teen Titans Go Undead, same thing, he has a really cool style. He's on the like the Batman Scooby-Doo mysteries now and he's got like this super fun, that kind of like fun style and really, you know, high energy. And so you you really do kind of meld over this, over the course of um, like Voltron, like right, um, over the course of the book where you, get a sense for what they like to do and what they do 
best and they get a sense of what you're going for. And so the teamwork is something that, you know, that really happens organically. And especially with someone like Gustavo, who I did Dear Justice League, but then Dear DC Supervillains as a follow-up. So by the time I scripted that second book, you know, the, 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 the script's much less detailed, much more like, just like, uh, just informal notes to Gustavo, basically, you know, it's like, like at the start of book one, I might've been like, okay, Superman's flying. So I'm going to describe, you know, his like, his left knee is raised and his, his left, you know, left arm is out in the classic, whatever uh, pose. And, you know, he's looking pensive or whatever. And then in this, for the script for book two, it's just Superman flying. Cause I know Gustavo is going to knock that out of the park. You know what I mean? So it's just one of these things. It's, it's a, it's a question of just like trust and, um, and just seeing each other's strength, I think with, with fantastic artists. I mean, this is my, my advice for all comic book writers work with fantastic artists. You know, when I, I approached you, I follow you on Twitter and I saw that you're a, a writer for the young audience. I have to admit, I am embarrassed that I have not checked out some of the younger stuff out before. Cause I look at, there's a, to me, there's like a stigma of younger audience. Well, it's not necessarily something that I'm going to enjoy. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this stuff is fantastically great. It's so better than some of the stuff that normally gets put out. And I'm like, how the heck did I not see this stuff before? This is the, and that, and, and now I'm like, that's, that's not you though. I mean, that's like, that's the way it's been marketed. The industry has been for a long time where it's like, books are aimed at adults and the idea that like books for kids are things that like adults won't enjoy but i mean you have to remember and it wasn't even that long ago all comic books were books for kids like they're called comic books they weren't like that bronze age silver age, none of that was like geared toward an adult market that's new you know what i mean like yes exactly and i'm 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 i consider myself an open-minded comic book fan but your stuff called me completely blindsided I'm like, how did I not discover this stuff? Because I, I have a problem with reading some comic books nowadays. They just, I, I don't have that. I like to read stuff that gives you that magic. When I was 10 years old and just discovering comic books and a lot of the stuff don't have that. And when I was reading your stuff, I actually went on to Hoopla. I'm like, look, they're all on Hoop. I can't see, but they're on Hoopla right now. And, and I encourage people to actually go buy it. But I understand a lot of times people don't have the money. Yeah, yeah. Go to your library. Yeah. Hundred percent. You know, libraries you know, have done a great job of, of of getting my stuff, and I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, because comics has been geared towards, you know, and and I was actually like a very young reader when that was stuff was all happening, like Dark Knight, the Wolverine miniseries, where things were really going from like you know the Claremont run, which was soapy and stuff like that, but you could still see like that was still like most of the readers are still kids to like being overtly like darker, more adult, um, that, you know, that's, that's when that shift happened. But just because most of the stuff out there is geared towards adult now, doesn't mean that when you write a kid's book, you have to be only for kids. Like, I feel like I'm just writing stuff the way comic books was when it was for everyone, you know, when all ages didn't mean kids, it meant all ages, you know what I mean? And that's, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm not, even necessarily trying to write specifically for kids as much as I'm trying to write for everyone. But I do, you know, I keep younger readers in mind and especially like maybe reluctant readers um, for whom 
you know, graphic novels are a great, great way to sort of like get them on that ladder to reading. See, when I was growing up, comic books were considered bad. Libraries, yeah, yeah. libraries didn't cover them. Very seldom would you see a comic book. And like for you and like for me, it took the world and the United States so long to realize that comic books act as a gateway to other novels and things. I am a lifelong reader and it all stems back to comic books as a kid. And I remember that for years, there was no kids comics at all. And there was times in the industry when you wouldn't hand a kid a Batman, a Daredevil, a Spider-Man, because it was just too, yeah. too adult. Yeah. You know, and over the last 10 years-ish, 15, whatever, we've had this. And again, I was thinking kids market. And that's wrong to say that. It's an all-ages market. It's not a kids market. It's more of an all-ages market where these things appeal to everybody. You can be anybody adult, young, old, kid, teenager, boys or girls, yep. this stuff would appear to anybody. If you like the Justice League on the cartoon, the Teen Titans go stuff, this 100%. stuff is great. I I only, because we put this, this taping together real quick, I didn't get a chance to read all the stuff that I wanted to, yeah. but I, that's all your stuff is on my must read list. I, no, thanks so much. Yeah. I, 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 you have no idea how much I have enjoyed doing this stuff and you got, you, I have to admit, you were a guest that actually caught me off guard and was a real learning lesson. Usually I'm usually I'm schooling my audience and the other people. <laughs> this time around, you schooled me. So <laughs> you also did some work for Archie Comics, which I want to talk in a minute about, because that's some amazing work too. But how the heck did you get to Archie Comics? And are you going to be doing more work for Archie Comics? You better not say no, or this, or this taping is going to be done with. <laughs> um, actually, you're like, I'm wearing an Archie uh, t-shirt here. This I was is, wondering about that. I didn't get a chance to see that. I was going to ask you what that, that was. But that's Salem. That's, uh, you know, Sabrina's cat, Salem. Um, unhand me. You know, Salem yes. is like a grumpy, you know, former wizard turned into it. So anyways, um, yeah, I um, I love Archie. Like I said, the first, first books I read were really Archie comics that I found in a toy bin at a, at a, at a, a retirement home. And so um yeah, I mean, they were the first things I ever read. I, I really have um, a lot of fondness for them. Um, but my friend, Nicole um, Ostow, had done some writing. She also is a began as a young adult author, you know, in the, the prose um, kids book world, um, an editor and author there. And she'd done some stuff on uh, Riverdale stuff for Archie. And... I was like, that got my, I was like, that's very cool. But, you know, I, it immediately went on my radar, like, ah, that's a, that's a possibility. That's something. And so I immediately was sort of pestering her about, um, you know, the idea of pitching something or who, who I would send to, or, so I, I kind of had a, a an, an in there, just one of the, you know, a good friend of mine had written something for them. And that was enough for me. I put together just like a massive list of pitches for them and just was like looking for the person to send it to. And I, I found it. It's Jamie Rotante, who's the, uh, I think she's like senior editorial director. Or I'm not sure what her official title is, but, um, but she's, she's great to work with. And, um, and that's how that, that first one came about. Um, was it, did um, you do Fear in the Fun House? Is that your first one? No, the holiday holiday uh, magic was the my okay, first let's, one. Let's, okay, um, let's talk about Fear in the Fun House. Okay, was, yeah, because uh, that was a spooky anthology. Yeah, and it's called Suburban Legends. It's a very short story, and I actually did my homework 
And I know who Wilbur is, but how the heck did you get Wilbur into a story? Tell the fans a little bit about Wilbur. So, so yeah. Um, so that's clever, you know, Michael. You came up with that by yourself, didn't you? No, 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 not at all. Well, I, they, I pitched that as Archie, Betty, and Veronica. You know, oh, the, and they came the up with Wilbur, and they, and then it was it was Jamie, and you know, they they love their deep cuts. There, you know. Um, Archie is a fantastic company, not only to work for, but also to read. And for the same reason, because they are um, informal, you know, they're, they're, you know, small enough to be flexible. They're informal, but they're super serious about um, what they, what they put out, the product they put out. And so um, when I pitched this idea, just to kind of a twist on a classic, you know, urban legend um, you know, with a, Riverdale twist so it becomes suburban legend um with you know Archie Betty and Veronica they were like how about Wilbur Lori and Linda you know who uh um were like the the earlier version an earlier version of Archie um Betty and Veronica actually back I think the, I have, back in the golden age back in the golden age yeah I have a I think I've got some copies here um Yeah. So yeah, Fear the Fun House. Um, and it was just the thing about them is if you if you if you read them, you sort of get the you get the almost the near miss sense. Like this isn't um You know, it isn't Archie, Archie, Betty, and Veronica, but it almost is. You know, yes. like it's like it's a it's a it's a kind of a love triangle, but um, it's a situation where Wilbur and 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 Lori are basically an item, and then Linda is the one who kind of like comes in there and is kind of kind of getting some space between them, and that's the dynamic, right? So that's the tension in that and it wasn't quite the right formula and Wil Wilbur wasn't quite the right character but it almost was and so then the next iteration becomes Archie Betty and Veronica and then you can see it clicks right so Wilbur Laurie and Linda are great because they are this like immediate precursor like a formula that almost almost got it right but didn't quite and because it didn't just disappear like disappeared through history but like Archie they love their deep cuts and so they were looking for a way I think to get bring some of that back and this was just an, an opportunity to to do that um and it, it also there was some practical reasons because of you know the main characters and the framing of the story and stuff like that and so they wanted alternate characters and it just kind of it worked out that way um and, you know, when people think Archie comics, they think of the 60s, 70s Archie, even though you got the Riverdale and CW, there's still this mindset that all the Archie comics are this way. And these, like your, uh, the Fear of the Fun House has some really clever, cool stuff. And I'm going to scroll over now to the Holiday Magic Special, which again, yeah, like, you know, I told you, uh, I think I sent you, when I sent you the email, had I read this during Christmas, I would have publicized this, this all these anthologies because they're so clever. But you did uh, 
What would it have been like to have Archie, Betty, and Veronica as adults? Now that was that's been done before. Yeah. A thousand times. And and yours was returned to Riverdale, but your adult versions were a perfect combination of what you classically know them as a teenager. And yeah, that could be what they are one day. And it was so clever seeing how you portrayed an adult Betty, an adult Archie, an adult Veronica. And I'm like, how can this only be a short story? I want more <laughs> of this story. Now, did you cover that story by yourself or was it pitched to you? Yeah, no, I came up with that with that story. I mean, um, the idea for this anthology is essentially, again, very familiar. Um, you know, kind of, it's kind of a Christmas carol. It's like Archie, exactly. past, present, and future, right? So, um, again, but with a frame like that, device like that, it's a little like Archie in general. It's so familiar, but you can do so much with it. And so for me, when you start thinking about, you know, future Archie, right? The, and the holidays, like immediately, like the first thing I think of, I thought of was like, you know, those Hallmark Christmas movies, you know, which are now on, you know, also Netflix Christmas You're right, movies. That, that did have a very much feel to that when we did the adult thing with Betty and Veronica. I, yeah, I really, I don't like, want to spoil too much. I, you know, even though it's not Christmas now, yes. I don't think, I don't think fans realize this, but you can, if you have a, like a hoopla, or yeah. if you do Comiscology Unlimited, which is a really great source, like seven nine nine a month, all the Archie that they have out, new and old, are right there to read on their unlimited program for free. So if the Archie comes out today, yeah. it's there. And yeah. and with all the Archie stuff, I mean, you can get, you can get it direct. They, Archie has a website, and you and can get any of this stuff. If you yeah. want to buy it, go to Archie's website and buy yeah. it. You know, I'm, I mean, it's go made, to Archie's it's great website stuff. and buy it because they have so much fun stuff on there. Like I'm wearing this Archie t-shirt and it's like, every time I write a story for them, I get myself some Archie stuff. It's just fun to do, you know, but, um, but yeah, so it was just like, again, I, I just loved it. Cause it's like this, these two familiar comforting things. And I just put them together. It was just like Hallmark Christmas movies and Archie, Betty and Veronica just smushed together. Um, but with, with with some love for these characters you know i'm not making you know i mean it's just like like in a way that stays true to the characters very um, true yeah and it and prioritizes them you know and it, and and riverdale and everything that like that town and that I, that concept even like brings to the story it's like these movies like someone you know they moved to the big city it didn't work out they they, you know, return to their hometown, kind of tail between their legs and try and find that familiar magic. And that's like, like when you think of like hometown magic, like Riverdale and Archie, like that's, that's what that is. Um, and so it was just, honestly, like I had a ton of fun writing that, but I, I like, as soon as I came up with that idea, I felt like it, it kind of couldn't miss. It just like, it was just such a good fit um, for the season and for the characters and, and things like that. And um, and again, it's like everyone involved in, in those comics over there, just like it just loves those characters. And it's just like really, really, um, you know, knowledgeable and faithful to that, um, the subject matter. And it, it's just really, it's fun to work with them. I'm putting together, like, I'm putting together pitches um, for this year. Yeah. Um, what do you got coming for 2023 that you can actually maybe kind of talk about? That's, I mean, right. Thank you for that distinction because it's like what I have coming and what I can talk about. But what I do, I have something new from uh, DC coming and another What's graphic novel. Out? It has not been announced yet. So oh. I shouldn't say much more, but I can say I do have another one coming. Um, and, you know, um, I've got, you know, 
I'm, I've put together some some pitches for Archie, so we will see how how that goes. And then I'm also putting together some uh, some mini series uh, pitches um, for comics, which is which is fun. It's it's the first time I've I've done that, you know, in terms of you know putting together the six sample pages and the um, the pitch document. And so I'm getting a couple of those ready um, now and. Um, it's kind of a New Year's re resolution for myself to to sort of um, tr try and branch out into that, and that's that'll be interesting because, like you said, you know, I've I've written for younger readers, and the industry does feel very um, like the borders feel a little guarded. You know what I mean? It's not like you know like before when it's like comics were comics and whoever read them read them. Now it's like you have this comic, this kind of comic, this kind of comic, and this kind of comic. Like you've got your, your indie comics, your mainstream comics, your kids' comics, um, the, you know, the, you know, kind of drawn and quarterly uh, stuff. Um, the, uh, you know, I mean, so it's just, it's, it, it does feel very um, d divided up. And, uh, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see. I've got some things that I think are, are good ideas. They're not specifically kids' ideas. So, you know, we will see how that goes, but it's, it's fun for me because, you know, I love this stuff and, you know, comics, you can tell any, any story you want to tell, you can tell, you know, sci-fi. Um, I've got one, it's Western horror. I got another, it's like sort of a superhero thing. Um, and another, um, it is completely different, you know, from the, from those two. And, and, uh, and that's, that's, what's fun about it. So right now I've got something coming out this year from DC. Um, there'll be a lot, a lot of, you know, I'll be talking a lot more about that. I think it'll, it's, 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 it's great. I'm really proud of the book. The art is incredible. So that'll be good. And then, um, and some stuff I can't talk about and then some stuff that is just fingers crossed um, at this point. Michael, when I approached you this, I said I was a short form podcast that was about 15 to 20, 25 minutes. And we've <laughs> gone well, well over our allotted time, but you know what, Michael, you made a fantastic guest. Oh, I think we've done a great job. This is one of the best podcast uh, tapings that I've done in a while. Thank you Thank very you much. So I, I, much. I may have gotten a little carried away in the middle there. I no, no. Archie, I get so enthusiastic. <laughs> I, I, I'm looking for stuff like that to talk about. It's so great. I want to have different things out there because you made me excited about stuff that I didn't know I needed to be excited about. <laughs> Not just... Archie, but the young adult stuff that I'm going to go and read when I don't have time for it, but I'm going to read. Michael, before we wrap <laughs> this up today, you have the last word. Any parting thought before we end this? Um, no, I mean, I just want to say thanks so much. I mean, it's it's been, I mean, it's it's one of the things, I mean, like, you know, our conversation before we started taping, we just like, how much territory did we cover? Like, there's, there's yes. so much to talk about, you know, 50 minutes, 50 minutes, you can never get to it all, right? And no, so no. It's just like, it's but it's it's fun to talk about stuff like this, like a, a medium that you love with people who love it too, you know. And so I just want to say thanks. Michael Northrup, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I am 100 percent We are going to figure out how to get you back on again. Thanks yes. you for joining me today. Okay, thank you so much. All right, bye bye. Well, that's it for today's podcast. Again, I would love to hear from you at fantasticcomicfan at gmail.com. Remember, new episodes every Wednesday. Thanks so much for listening to this episode, and I hope to see you next time.